0: You are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Hello, Spot On listeners. Today, we're going to tackle what is the buzz about caffeine. And Americans appear to be running on caffeine as 85% of us drink at least one caffeinated beverage every day. And let me tell you, the 15% that doesn't drink caffeinated beverage, I probably drink enough for that 15%. So I can't wait to learn more about what's going on with caffeine. So today, I brought in an expert who just wrote... A whole article in the Nutrition Action Health Letter about caffeine. Her name is Dr. Caitlin Dow. She's a senior nutrition scientist at the Center for. Science in the Public Interest, who puts out this lovely newsletter, Nutrition Action, Action Health Letter, and she, you know, has did her dissertation in nutritional sciences at the University of Arizona. She did her postdoc in vascular biology at the University of Colorado Boulder. And really, what she does at the Center for Science in the Public Interest is really to evaluate the science behind nutrition. And health fads to to help people decide, you know, what's right and what's wrong, and, and what's misinformation, and what is correct information. I mean, this is why we have spot on, just to help clarify. So today we are going to find out the ins and outs of caffeine. So with that, I'd like to welcome Dr. Caitlin Dow to spot on thank you john it's great to be here oh it's great always great to have you i want to know more about caffeine i have to tell you that right now i'm drinking a cup of coffee Uh, the mug is about the size of my head so um you know give us the one-on-one about caffeine how does caffeine work in your body
1: so um caffeine is uh i think probably my favorite uh drug of choice as well. I also have a big cup of coffee right here. And most of us are familiar with the stimulant effects of caffeine. So we know that it wakes us up. And that's because the caffeine molecule blocks what are called adenosine receptors in the brain. Adenosine is a natural sedative and it builds up during waking hours, making you more tired as the day goes on. And then it dissipates while you sleep. But when caffeine blocks the adenosine receptor, adenosine can't bind and do its job, so you don't feel drowsy. So that's really the magic of caffeine. We
0: knew it was a stimulant,
1: but we didn't get the connection of how the heck it works in the body. That is really interesting. So
0: can you like build up a tolerance to caffeine?
1: Yeah, you definitely can. And, uh, you know, most of us who are coffee drinkers have probably experienced this, especially if you go off caffeine for a little while and then you reintroduce it. But what happens is that the more caffeine you consume, the more adenosine receptors your brain will make. And that's because uh, your brain is trying to counter the non-drowsy effects of caffeine. So as you make more receptors, you need more caffeine to have the same effect. Of course, there's a limit to that, but you will certainly build up a tolerance.
0: Interesting. So once again, your brain is smarter than you are. And uh, <laughs> yes. you know you keep doing things like drinking a heck of a lot of coffee and your brain's like, you know something, I got I to gotta help this person out otherwise she's going to be um, you know doing wind sprints around the you know the the room here for all the caffeine <laughs> and and getting to that is how much is too much
1: yeah so you can definitely overdo it um and the FDA says that most adults can safely consume about 400 milligrams of caffeine a day Um, But there are a lot of factors that affect how each of us handles caffeine, so it's hard to give a blanket recommendation that really covers everyone.
0: I just want to tell our spot on listeners we are going to put um, a copy of this article that Dr. Caitlin wrote uh, for the Nutrition Action uh, Health Letter, and it, there is this fabulous chart that tells you how much caffeine is in all the foods that you drink, and of course coffee being you know uh, the top dog here. But you know, you said Dr. Caitlin that you know they're thinking that 400 milligrams of this is OK, safe, maybe, maybe we're going to find out in, in a little bit, may have some beneficial health effects to it. But I, I was looking at your chart and, you, you know, one, uh, you know, vente of, of a Starbucks, uh, you know, coffee, you know, had like 412 milligrams. So yeah. it's like, it's like you just get a vente, uh, you know, a certain brew type and, and you could be hitting that mark.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like a standard Folgers cup of coffee has way less than that, you know, maybe 120, 130 milligrams in it. But um, some of these roasts have much higher um, caffeine content. It depends on the type of bean. Um, And then you get a large coffee and yeah, you can hit that mark really easily.
0: Right. I, I, I am i was shocked about that. It's funny. You said it, it's your drug of choice. And I don't think people realize that it's a drug. Absolutely. Yes, it is a drug. <laughs> it is a drug. And every drug, you know, goes through your body and then breaks down and, you know, get you get rid of the drug from your body. So what, how long does it take you to get like caffeine? Like we start drinking coffee in the morning, whatever, and all day long or
1: your drinks, whatever. And uh, how long does it take for the caffeine to get out of your body? Yeah, so there's a lot of factors that will um, affect how long it takes uh, to metabolize caffeine. But on average, the half-life of caffeine, so that's a chemistry term, the half-life, and that's the amount of time that it takes to break down half the caffeine in your body. For caffeine, it's about three to five hours Um that means that if you drink a cup of coffee at 2 p.m., about a quarter of its caffeine can still be circulating in your body between 8 p.m. and midnight.
0: Wow. So, you know, again, that's interesting. We're going to get into sleep in a minute. But if you're drinking caffeine, like, late in the day, you know, or even 2 o'clock to me doesn't even sound down to me late in the day. I mean, some people are drinking it at 4 or 5. That could really, you know keep you alert later in the evening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you might not notice it because you have a tolerance to it, but it's certainly still there.
0: Right. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even know that. So you said in this article, which I thought was fascinating, um, that smoking affects caffeine metabolism in your body. So, so tell, me, tell me more about that.
1: Yeah. So smoking speeds up caffeine metabolism about twofold. So if someone has a caffeine metabolism half-life of about four hours, they'll metabolize the same amount of caffeine in about two hours if they're a smoker. So, um, yeah, so it, it really speeds things up for a long time. There was, this is sort of an interesting anecdote. Uh, there was this evidence that, um, coffee was bad for you. Um, it, was you know they uh, this is from observational studies, and really what they were finding was that it was um they were studying people who were smokers um and they weren't controlling for smoking and so um smokers often drink a lot more caffeine because they metabolize it so quickly, so they have to drink more to get the same effect. So it wasn't that coffee or caffeine was bad for people. It was that smoking was bad for people.
0: Do you have any idea what's in a smoker, what it is? Is the nicotine that is interfere. What's ha- what the
1: mechanism maybe? I think it's nicotine. Um, and what it does is it affects the enzyme that breaks down caffeine and it upregulates that.
0: Wow. Interesting. Okay.
1: And you also said about, you know, uh,
0: taking birth control pills and that affects caffeine metabolism. Tell tell us us more about
1: that. Yeah. So birth control, um, will slow down caffeine metabolism. So it has the opposite effect of smoking. Pregnancy really slows down caffeine metabolism. So, um, the half-life of caffeine can go from, you know, three to five hours on average, um, if you're not pregnant. And then when you are pregnant, it can be 12 hours um, before you, yeah, before you've broken down half of that caffeine. So pregnancy um, and then birth control also really slow it down.
0: So interesting, so interesting. Now, uh, we know though, for for pregnant women, you know, where where you said that, you know, 400 milligrams a day uh, seems to be safe for most people. For pregnant women, they have a lower, recommendation to keep it lower than 400 milligrams. I I read that it was like less than 200 milligrams they should be because um, uh, the concern that caffeine may increase um, uh, miscarriages. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that's correct. So it's hard to know exactly what is a safe amount for pregnant women, Um, but 200 milligrams appears to be safe. Um, And yeah, part of the concern is that uh, caffeine can cross the placenta.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right. There we go. And, and again, it's a drug. It's a drug. Yes. That's a little baby growing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and that's a powerful drug that's crossing the placenta. so interesting. So interesting. You know, Dr. Caitlin, uh, when I was uh, pregnant, uh, I, you know, I had morning sickness, which, which is a myth, because I only wish it ended at the end of the morning. It sure. Because I was all day sickness. But anyway, when... I put the coffee, my husband put the coffee pot on, that smell, like, it made me so nauseous. So it's almost like Mother Nature was saying, look, you know, I'm going to stay away from the coffee and the caffeine because, and I'm going to make you sick, you know, just from the smell of it. So it was almost like the body was smarter than I was to say, don't go near coffee now.
1: And just self-regulating for you. Yeah. <laughs> You know, are some
0: people uh, more sensitive to caffeine than other people?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, there are genetic differences between people and the most well-characterized differences are due to the enzyme that metabolizes caffeine. So some people are slow metabolizers, others are fast metabolizers, but um, there, it's not just In that enzyme itself, there can also be differences in how many enzymes you have. Um, And there are also genetic differences in the adenosine receptor. So calling back to the beginning where we were talking about how caffeine blocks the adenosine receptor. Um, And so there are genetic differences in that, and that can explain how sensitive you are to caffeine. So, yeah. So there's, there are some genetic differences and we don't, we don't know all of them yet.
0: You know, that's interesting. I I was once with my brother and he had uh, been over at the house and I, you know, I made him coffee and, and he didn't realize it was regular coffee and he drank, you know, half a mug of it. And he was like, is there caffeine in this? Like, like, he was so sensitive. I'm like, yeah, like, he's like, oh, no, you know, interesting, interesting that that has this and me, I'm like, I can't even feel it. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, I'm like you. (laughs) Let's talk about maybe the good and not so good of of caffeine. So you know, we, we always hear about sleep, you know, so so tell us about caffeine and sleep.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Caffeine and sleep is really what you hear about all the time. And you would think that there would be a ton of research on how caffeine affects sleep, but there aren't many studies that use realistic doses at reasonable times. Um, so there was one small study in regular caffeine users, and they took either a placebo or 400 milligrams of caffeine, either six, three, six hours or three hours or immediately before bed on separate days. And compared to the placebo, they slept about an hour less, no matter when they got the caffeine. Um, So that's interesting. Um, 400 milligrams of caffeine, even six hours before bed um, can have an effect. That is kind of a lot of caffeine to have four hours or six hours before bed. Um, So it would be nice to have that kind of study with a lower dose of caffeine um, and You know, there are a number of studies that show that people take longer to fall asleep. They get less deep sleep, which is that restorative sleep, and they wake up more often when they're given caffeine right before bed. But there's really not much research on how caffeine, say, in the morning or early afternoon affects sleep. So it's hard to really um, make a recommendation based off of the research on when to stop drinking caffeine.
0: You know, but if you do the math here, you said that the half-life is like three to five hours. So you it almost makes sense to stop drinking caffeinated beverages like by noon, just so it's all gone by the time you go to bed?
1: Yeah, um, that that's probably reasonable. For some people who are fast metabolizers of caffeine, they may clear it more quickly than that. And it could be, too, that... Um, we don't really know how much caffeine is enough to disrupt sleep, so it could be that you have a small amount still circulating, but it's not doing much um so there's a lot of unanswered questions still about caffeine and sleep
0: now. let's get some good news here. You know, you wrote in this in this article about. Type two diabetes. So tell us more.
1: Yeah. So, um, like you said, there there's some good news here too. Um, so both regular and decaf coffee are linked to a, a lower risk of type two diabetes, and that suggests that it's something in the coffee other than caffeine that's beneficial. Because decaf, we also see these benefits with decaf. Um, so coffee, you know, it's a complex mix of hundreds of chemicals. And animal studies do show that a variety of compounds in coffee have beneficial effects on things like insulin sensitivity and blood sugar.
0: So interesting. But, you know, again, that's coffee the way, you know, your grandmother drank it. This is not the lacus that you get at these coffee shops that have like a tons of sugar in it. And that that's not going to, I would assume, not going to be a good choice of people with diabetes.
1: No, you could counteract those beneficial effects of coffee really easily by adding um, all of these different sugars and flavors. So this is really just Straight coffee with maybe a little bit of um either cream or milk added, it's not adding lots of sugars. Those sugars will definitely increase your risk for weight gain and ultimately diabetes.
0: There you go all right now I have a lot of my our listeners are spot on our uh, a lot of them tend to be very active, so there was an interesting um Piece in your article that you talked about how caffeine can enhance exercise performance. So tell, tell us.
1: Yeah, this was um, exciting for me as a coffee drinker and an exerciser. Um, so what caffeine does is it reduces feelings of fatigue and it blunts the perception of pain. So for exercise, that means that at any given pace, people will rate exercise as less difficult when they've had caffeine versus when they haven't. So um, it's also true that when people are given caffeine, um, and usually it's between about 200 and 400 milligrams of caffeine, so that's maybe two to four cups of coffee, an hour before, or I should say the equivalent of about two to four cups of coffee, an hour before exercise, uh, they can exercise for longer than when they haven't had any.
0: You know, it's interesting because you just said about two to four cups of coffee, but, you know, less, we're talking eight ounces.
1: Eight ounces, yes. Small cups of coffee. <laughs>
0: like a little teacup of coffee, yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so we, again, we, we have to watch when you say that, it's not too bent, you know, two or four venthes of, of coffee. You know, the, the, the caffeine and the performance is, is interesting, but you know, here at Boston University and many college students um, are NCAA athletes. So, it, I mean, and you just said caffeine is a drug. So mm-hmm. is there, you know, a, is it banned? Like, you know, is it tested for? If it has this perk, you up before you perform and oh, in, 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 you know, physical activity. I mean, so, so what's the story on that?
1: Yeah. So, um, caffeine is considered an ergogenic aid, um, which means that it boosts performance. Um, but for the end. CAA, it's considered a restricted but not a banned substance. So um, they do test for it, uh, but the limit is fairly high. So what the NCAA uh, limit is, is 15 micrograms of caffeine per milliliter of urine. That doesn't mean much to anybody, but the American College of Sports Medicine equates that to about five or six cups of coffee. So that, that amount of caffeine in about five or six cups of coffee a couple of hours before exercise. So it's actually um, more than what the studies show is beneficial. Um, there, there is a, a cap to where there's a benefit. Um, and above that, roughly 400 milligrams amount, um, you don't get any further boost So if you stay below that, obviously, you kind of want to test it on yourself and see where you get the most benefit. Um, You that will keep you under the NCAA limit. Um, But of course, you know, if you are an athlete, you should double check with your coaches um, uh, before taking my word for it. Right. That's
0: right. (laughs) There you go. Um, Definitely. Check check with your coaches and your athletic trainers, and actually your sports registered dietitian that should be part of the team there. But you know, uh, caffeine is also a diuretic, so you don't want to be dehydrated with uh, before you're going to be working out. So definitely, uh, let's talk to the, the people the you know there on your team before you start uh, drinking your coffee. There, there were some. You also said in the article that um, you know there, it, caffeine or coffee or could be of a problem with the bad cholesterol, the bad LDL cholesterol. So can you explain this?
1: Yeah. So if you are a person who drinks regular drip coffee, you really don't need to worry about uh, coffee raising your LDL cholesterol. But there are certain methods of brewing coffee um, that may raise your LDL. So Um, One method is French press and then also boiled coffee. These are a little less common, particularly in the US, um, but Turkish or Scandinavian styles, all of these are types of uh, methods that don't use a filter. And the reason that that's important is because there's a compound called cafestol that raises LDL and it doesn't get filtered out with those prep methods, whereas drip coffee Cafistol stays um in the paper filter and just gets filtered right out. So you don't have to worry about it. If you're
0: Using those, you know, cups. Yeah, you know, like, you know, the little cups that you put in like the cured machine, it's the same thing. It doesn't drip in.
1: It doesn't seem like it. Uh you may or may not be shocked to find out that there isn't a ton of research <laughs> on uh whether those um whether those methods, like the K-cup, um, whether the cafestol gets through that, those, those do have um, a filter in them. Um, so I would imagine that it filters out most of the cafestal. Um, It's really more of when the water is in contact with the grounds for a long time. And that's like a French press or a boiled coffee.
0: There you go. Okay, so it's it's time. It's so time is a factor here. Yeah. So you know my birthday's coming up. So Dr. Caitlin, don't, don't buy me a French press.
1: I won't. No, not this year.
0: Be heart healthy here. I'm just gonna go with my K cups. All right. And the last one you talked about, which is really fascinating, is Parkinson's disease. So tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, so there's been a lot of coverage of studies suggesting that caffeine can protect against Parkinson's, Um, and that's based off of observational studies that find that people who consume more caffeine have a lower risk of Parkinson's disease. Um, But there can be confounders in those studies, so observational studies are always um, best considered when we can do some kind of follow-up to find out if that's a true link or not. Um, And that's still a little bit up in the air. But there has been some research um, that suggests that caffeine um, probably doesn't help people who already have the disease. Um, In the largest study, researchers didn't see any obvious benefit for motor symptoms or rigidity in people who got 200 milligrams of caffeine twice a day for six months versus those who got a placebo. So unfortunately it doesn't seem like um, caffeine will help if you already have Parkinson's.
0: Well, the good news is it doesn't look like it causes it either
1: no absolutely not that
0: i mean that's why so many i love my coffee and and i you know and you want to be just enjoying it and just knowing that i you know if you keep it under 400 milligrams a day yeah you're not really doing much harm as long as it's a drip coffee and you know that makes me feel good you know you know something i want to start my day feeling good and i have to start it with coffee which by the way is right the biggest contributor to caffeine in our diet
1: it, yes, it absolutely is. Um, and there's a huge range of caffeine in coffee drinks. And unfortunately, it can be hard to know how much is in a serving because companies are not required to disclose the caffeine content on the Nutrition Facts label, though some voluntarily do. You know, that that's mind-boggling to me because yeah. it's a drug. You just yes. said it was a drunk, So wouldn't that make
0: sense that that should be disclosed, especially for the people who may be sensitive to it? Um, I, mean, I mean, obviously, if they're sensitive, if they take one gulp of whatever the beverage is, you've got to feel it. But you would think that that would be disclosed. Uh, one would think. <laughs> right. I, I, and, and also, you know, there are so many of these espresso drinks, uh, you know, going around. Now, I always think that the espresso is like, whoa, you have an espresso. And I'm like, whoa, you know. So is there a lot more caffeine in espresso drinks versus a cup of coffee?
1: Yeah, you would think that there would be just the reputation that espresso has. Um, but it, really what it is is that espresso has more caffeine by volume Um but not by serving so um because cat because espresso is you know whatever it is one or two ounces um it seems like a lot but it's really not that much it's only 150 milligrams of caffeine per shot of espresso if you get three shots of espresso (laughs) in a drink then sure you're going to get more but it's it's not more than a cup of coffee right so you as long as you keep it to the portion size
0: which is about like an ounce or an ounce and a half something but you know you know, coffee was supposed to be eight ounces, and it's when it started to get to these sixteen, eighteen, twenty-ounce cups that's where the problem is coming. So it's the same thing with espresso. If you just keep it to a typical portion size, then you're going to be okay. Absolutely. Yeah. What about kombucha? What well, I, I, you know, what is going on with that? Because I, you know, a lot of uh, kids on campus are are drinking that, and they're saying that there's a lot of caffeine in that. What, what
1: is? What are your thoughts on that? So, um. It depends on the type of kombucha that you're drinking. Most of them don't have much, you know, maybe between uh, 10 to 15 milligrams, but there are brands and flavors that can. So there's one brand that we have included in our chart. It's Health Aid, is the brand, and the variety is the Plus Energy kombucha. It has 120 milligrams of caffeine. So that's the equivalent of, you know, a 12 ounce cup of coffee. Right, so and, and that, that leads us right to the energy
0: drinks. I mean, some of these energy drinks are wild, right, with the caffeine.
1: Yeah, yeah, they can they can be really high in caffeine, and most of them too are also high in sugar. So, um, of course, you can get sugar free varieties, but you're getting you're getting a lot of stuff going on in these drinks. Um, you know, one brand of energy drink, Bang, it has three hundred milligrams. Um, and they're easy to drink, you know, they go down smooth, so you can really overdo it. Um, a standard five hour energy drink has about 200 milligrams of caffeine. So it's not crazy, but it will certainly perk you up. Red Bull is a bit more reasonable. I think people actually don't realize, um, that Red Bull, a standard Red Bull has around 80 milligrams of caffeine.
0: Which actually seems small compared to some of these newer drinks. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it it is. Um, and honestly it's, it's a reasonable amount, so you know if you were to have, say, a sugar-free Red Red Bull early afternoon, probably wouldn't have much effect on your sleep. Um, and it's a much more reasonable approach than some of these other energy drinks.
0: Problem with uh, these energy drinks is you talk about uh, you know volume, and you talk about um, well, a lot volume is that they're a small amount, like maybe eight mm-hmm. ounces. But people, I think, guzzle them because it's not hot. When you have a cup of coffee, it's hot. You can't guzzle a cup of hot coffee. You burn yourself. So you sip it and you tend to sip it and and nurture it maybe over 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. But with these shots or these drinks, they can go down pretty quick.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. And there's also, you know, a little so the the. Temperature is a big part of it. You know, you drink coffee and tea much slower. There's also a little bit of a different culture around coffee and tea. Many people really savor those drinks and enjoy them slowly. Um, the energy drinks, it's a bit of a different culture. And you're right; people definitely gut guzzle those down. Right, and you know, I have to tell you, you know,
0: Americans, we you know we foul everything up here. I went over to Italy <laughs> for about a month. I had the luxury of taking some uh, being over there as part of a program that boston university offers and you know the italians they have their espresso or they have their cappuccino they're sitting down they're talking with people you know i'm the only crazy american saying i need to take out can you give me a, a cappuccino take out? I got to go. And, and the woman behind, she's looking at me like, what, what is, who is this woman? And why would you not sit down and enjoy the cappuccino? And, and so again, you know, we, we ruin everything in this country. <laughs> and having a nice little cappuccino with a friend.
1: I know it sounds lovely. Yeah. You know, uh,
0: again, the, the spot on listeners, we're going to put a, a, a copy of this article up because, uh, Dr. Caitlin here has got this chart that gives you all the amount of caffeine, you know, for these energy drinks and for, you know, tea, even green tea has some um caffeine and so, because it's not on the label. And one thing which I thought was interesting, you actually looked at coffee ice cream. So what did you find out?
1: Yeah, these can have a surprising amount of caffeine. So Ben and Jerry's coffee ice cream, um they have a couple different flavors has about 65 milligrams of caffeine, and that is not negligible, especially if you're eating it at night. Yes, if you eat that at night as dessert, that can impact your sleep potentially. Um, But the Talenti coffee chocolate chip gelato has no caffeine, and you would not be able to tell from the label.
0: You sparked me on. I read your article. So I'm like, haha! I am going to be an investigator. So I went on and looked at the Ben and Jerry's ice cream, and then you know Talente uh, coffee I, uh, ice cream also. And first of all, the Ben and Jerry's coffee ice cream is called Ben and Jerry's coffee coffee buzz buzz buzz. Yes. <laughs> so I think I think that actually tells you, you know, what you're going to be eating. All right. But what both of them had was coffee extract concentrate. But the Ben and Jerry's had had the concentrate plus coffee in it, so I guess the coffee extract must not take caffeine and it. it must not have caffeine in it, but it just gives, gives the flavor, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Oh, because anyway, so if you see the Ben and Jerry's coffee, coffee buzz buzz buzz, you're going to get a buzz 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 if you have more than a, a bowl full, yeah, you know. Um you said something interesting before, and this makes all the sense in the world, and you said something about how caffeine can dull pain. Mm-hmm. And so now in your chart, you have um, gave us information about the caffeine in pills and supplements. So can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. So there's lots of medications, um, like say Mydol for cramps or Excedrin migraine, Um that have a su- substantial amount of caffeine, around 120 milligrams for each of those. Um, so about the same as a cup of coffee. Um, you can sort of assume that anything for any kind of migraine medication, unless it says so on the um, on the label, it's probably going to have caffeine and that's because caffeine helps dull pain. So be sure to take that into consideration um, with the rest of your caffeine intake.
0: Wow, yeah. So that's interesting So you don't want to be taking that with a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, that's, that's really interesting. And then again, you, you know, again, the chart is going to tell you how much um, uh, caffeine is in, in all these products so that you can kind of gauge how much you're getting in through the day. And, and the last thing I have to just talk to you about, because this is so sad to me, um, uh, that you used to, and I hope you can't, get... Caffeine
1: powder,
0: mm-hmm. and and oh, this is so sad. I don't. I can't even say it. You tell us. You make my, you make my listeners sad.
1: Okay. All right. I'll take that responsibility on. So, as of 2018, pure caffeine powder is illegal. Um, it still occasionally pops up on the market, but people should stay away from it. Um, a single teaspoon of pure caffeine par- powder can contain 30. 200 milligrams of caffeine. Yes. Milligrams. Milligrams of caffeine. That's a ton of caffeine. And in 2014, in two separate uh, cases, two young men died of accidental overdoses. Um, So you can still find some less concentrated caffeine powders and liquids, though I really caution people against using them because it can be easy to overdo it just stay away from the caffeine powders and liquids.
0: You know, you talk about, you start off saying, you know, it's a stimulant, you tell us how you do it. And there's some positive, you know, may help with type two diabetes, may help with Parkinson's disease. If you get drip, you don't have to worry about your cholesterol, enjoy it, savor it. And then we go all the way to the extreme, like this powder. And, and it's like, why, 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 would, why would that even be available? But you talk about, the dose makes the poison. So Absolutely. You know, a cup of coffee or two, enjoy it. But when you start taking pure caffeine, which you should never do, um, so so dangerous. And we lost two people because of that. So Dr. Caitlin, your overall well,
1: caffeine, good. Thumbs up, thumbs down. What are we saying here? Yeah, you know, I, I think that caffeine, um caffeine's good. Um incorporate it into your life as you see fit. Um You know, you don't need to take a genetic test to find out if you're sensitive to caffeine. People love to do that, but life experience can tell you if you are, and you can figure out the right amount for you. Um, If you do think that caffeine might be affecting your sleep, try cutting back or cutting it out after midday. Um, Just toy with that a little bit. Uh, Stay away from the pure caffeine powders, and then caffeine can boost your exercise performance, and that's, that's great news for all of us. So try drinking... Um, or taking about 200 milligrams, maybe an hour before exercise and your run um, may seem a little bit easier. You may go a bit faster or a bit farther than you normally would. So um, I give a thumbs up to caffeine, you know, within reason.
0: But, you know, and I just want to tell you, uh, my listeners, we're, we're recording this uh, as we do all, all the episodes. And in about 15 minutes, it's going to be 12 noon Eastern Standard Time here. And that's it. I'm not having any coffee. As soon as I sign off with Dr. Caitlin, that's it. That's end ended for me for the day. So with that, Dr.
1: Caitlin Dow, I want to thank you
0: so much for coming on Spot
1: It's always a pleasure. Thanks so much, Joan.
0: Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Thank you for listening to Spot On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. And by the way, leave us a nice review. And can you also like us on our spot on Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joan Salgy Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you?